Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. But we have a special treat for you today. This weekend, uh, and I wish more of our married couples could have been here, but this past weekend, Friday night, Saturday, we had our Renew Marriage Seminar, something we do every year. And we were so blessed to have special guests with us this weekend. Pastor James and Deidre Turner from Hot Springs, Arkansas. And they were such a blessing to us. We just had some great, great practical sessions. And I just love the fact that we get to work on our marriages and uh, and get to strengthen our families. And Pastor Turner stayed over. He's going to be with us today. He's our guest speaker. And I just love when we get to bring men of God and women of God into this church that we trust, that we know, that has a strong walk with the Lord and that can impart wonderful things into the body of Christ here. So I'm thankful for that. Why and you know what? I told the t- church, now see they're from Arkansas and they think they're from the south. Now I concede to them that Arkansas has better barbecue than Virginia. I, I, I concede that. Amen. But I want us to give them a good, warm, southern life church welcome. Let him know he's in the real south today. Amen. Come on. Let's welcome him into this house. Amen, amen. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ain't nobody here can call the hogs, is there? I hope not, because I'm not a hog fan, so I'd have to have you escorted out of the building. But we do live in Hot Springs, and we are so honored to be here with you today. You guys look fantastic. Look at somebody next to you. Just look them right in the eye and tell them, if you looked any better, you look just like me. Man, you look good. I love being able to worship together. Can we give it up for this worship team doing a fantastic job bringing us into God's presence? I I love it. My favorite place on the planet, period, hands down, is in God's house worshiping with God's people. And I just love it. It's been something that's been easy for Dieter and I to spend our life uh, committed and dedicated to because we just love it so much. And um, man, it's just it's fantastic to be able to to uh, be able to come into God's presence and feel God's presence. No matter where you are, He shows up when you begin to worship Him. Can we just one more time give Him a big old hand of praise? Come on, say thank you, Jesus, for being here today. It is definitely our um, our honor to be here. We, Dieter and I, we love your pastors, guys. We we really do. We have known your pastors for a while. Davina has threatened my life if I tell you how long we've known them. We've known them since Davina was a kid, so like three or four years. Um, <laughs> is that okay? All right, all right. I, I'm not allowed to tell you we've known them for 30 years. Anyway, I'm sorry. That just came right out. But, uh, man, Robin and Buddy, thank you guys so much for opening your home to us, and Rodney and Davina. Rodney was my roommate in college, for those of you that do not know, and uh, so our relationship goes back before either one of us were married, Um, and so if there's anything you want to know about Rodney, like you're not sure about, and you want some inside scoop, I'd be glad to spill the beans for you before we leave. I know some things, actually, I really don't. Rodney has been 
a, an extremely stable force his entire life, or at least the time that I've known him, maybe when he was 16 or 17, he had those moments. But the whole time I've known him, he has been a, just a stabilizing force in my life. I have the tendency to not be as stable at times because I have a little more outgoing personality. Um, and he has um, just been, been that person in my life for many, many years. And I appreciate uh, them very, very much. And I appreciate you guys. This is, um, this is fantastic. I, think, I was saying first service, I think this is our fourth time being back at Life Church, the first time I was ever at Life Church, you guys were in like a 7-Eleven building or something. It's been a while, and then in a school, and now in this building, last couple of times we've been able to be here. Just fantastic to see what God is doing with you guys, and we we just we appreciate you so much. Be praying for Hot Springs today. We're not there, so hopefully they're having a great time or they're burning the building down. I don't know, somewhere in between, but I do get text messages all through service telling me how great it's going there, and um, so I'm, I, I don't, I, I, man, I, anybody ever left your kids at home before by themselves? That's what it feels like when you're a pastor and you're not home. Let me just tell you, there's a little bit of, okay, I hope everybody's doing right and nobody's fighting and the kids aren't rolling around on the floor. And so um, there's a little bit of that anxiety. But I started something when I turned 50 um, because you become this old man, and uh, I started telling dad jokes. Now, I, I got to warn you, I don't tell good dad jokes on purpose because I found that the worse the dad joke is, the more of a dad joke it is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Do we have anybody here over 50? Do we have any liars in the room? Oh, they're right there on the back. Okay, I see you. I see you. All right, here's a couple. I just want to share with you just some of the way my brain works. Uh, did you know French fries are, are, are not truly French? They're not even cooked in France. Did you guys know that? They're cooked in Greece. Yeah, that's bad. This one's worse. I got kicked out of my coffee club because I wore a T-shirt. Ask your wife on the way home. She'll explain it to you. Um, how do you teach your kids about taxes? Eat 38% of their ice cream. Yeah, that's not even funny this time of year, is it? Like we're only two days removed from taxes. So. All right. My wife is on a tropical fruit diet. It's enough to make a mango crazy. Mango. You guys are horrible. First service laughed at that one. Not the rest. But they did laugh at that one. I'm just going to preach first service next time, Pastor Buddy. They like me better. All right, show of hands. How many of you here are married? Not afraid to admit it. All right. I'm just looking around. Hold them up. Hold them up. You guys are like. Hold them up. I want to see you. All right. That's good. There's a lot of married folk on this side. All right. All right. We had an amazing couple days of being able to talk about marriages. And, um, and, and I hope somebody left with some tools in their toolbox. Um, I, I want to tell you, I'm not, a, um, I'm not like a hype evangelist preacher. Like, I'm a pastor at heart. That's what I do. Um, and what I want to do is I want to put some tools in your toolbox today. I, I want to encourage you and inspire you. I want you to feel like you can make it another day. But I also want you to have the tools that when you do go through some times, you've got something to go back and pull out and go, I remember this conversation. I remember this dialogue. I remember this tool. And so I want to try to do that to the best of my ability today. But let me ask you a question, especially those who raised your hand that said you were married. How many have had an argument in the past year? I raised it to year because I asked first service week and nobody was honest. So, okay, year. Everybody, if you're married and you have, okay, in the past week, how many of you have hands are up? All right. 
this morning on the way to church. Man, we got an honest couple right here. During worship, were you guys fighting during worship? Okay. Just checking in. I'm just making sure. Here's what I found in my life is I can have the most fantastic week on the planet. Everything just clipping. Like everything's going well. You finish the week and everything's good. And for some reason, Sunday morning, everybody decides to fight. Like on the way to the church, you have the biggest fights. Like, I got to preach, and we're fighting about something. Anybody ever been there before? Like, your kids are fantastic. Like, you've got them all cleaned up. Their clothes match. Their hair's clean. It stayed brushed this morning. You get in the car on the way to church, and you look in the back, and they're rolling in the seat. And you're like, what just happened to you all? Everything was wonderful until we start to head to church. I want you to know that there is sometimes, not always, but there is sometimes a very distinct, specific reason for that. Because the enemy wants to distract you, and the enemy wants to keep you from getting what God wants you to get on a Sunday morning for your family. The enemy is attacking your family. He does not like your family. He does not love your family. He wants your family to fail. It is a strategic attack that happens every time you start to say, I'm on my way to hear from God God will, or the enemy will create distractions so that you cannot hear from God on that particular moment. And if we allow him to do that, he wins. But I'm not here to let the enemy win today. I want to put some tools in your box that you can be able to understand that there is a fight for your family, and we are called to fight for our family. This is marriage renewal weekend, and so I'm just going to continue the theme from the last two days. But if you're not married here, this is for you too. Maybe you're single and you want to be married someday. You need to be writing this stuff down because it's going to help you. Maybe you're here and you're single and you want to stay single. You don't ever want to get married because you watch married people. You still got people in your life that this is going to help you have a very healthy relationship in your life. Maybe you're here and you got parents, which most of us at some point have had parents. We need to be able to be good kids and know how to respect and how to have that relationship and be in, in other people's homes. Maybe the only blood relatives you've got are, are, are gone before you, and what you have right now is your family is sitting in this room with you right now. Can you thank God for church family? Man, I thank God for my church family. Some of my closest family, I'm not blood related to. Because they are, they're, they're in the house of God. And they're my brothers and they're my sisters. And we will fight for each other. But the problem is, in most cases, we spend more time fighting in our family than we fight for our family. And I found that the reason for that, more often than not, is that we plan zero for marriage. We plan a lot for a wedding, but we don't spend a lot of time preparing for marriage. In fact, I would say we prepare more for divorce than we do for marriage. I mean, you broke up with 10 people before you found the person you're married to. You know how to break up with somebody. You know how to get the you know how to get the quart of ice cream and keep on going, watch a sad movie, cry for a minute and move on. We have prepared people in their in our life to how how to handle divorce and breakup a lot better than we have how do you handle a marriage and a relationship? 
Rick Warren from Saddleback Church in California, he, he shared this stat, one that's very familiar. Most of us have heard it if you've been in and around church or the world in general at all. One in two marriages in the United States right now will end in divorce. We know, we know that stat pretty much. Do you know that in the church, Christians, the stat is one in two marriages will end in divorce? The church is no better than the world. But if you pray together, if you're connected in a life group in a strong church, you get yourself in a place where you've got people around you that are lifting you up. You're serving together on a dream team. You're coming to a place where you're spending time doing life together with people in a small group environment where there's people that will hold you accountable and iron sharpening iron. If you begin to do that, you are one out of 1,105 chance of having a divorce. Let me say that again. Without those things in your life, you're not plugged into a great church, you're not plugged into a small group, you're not plugged into a place where you're serving, you're not spending time with God, you're not allowing your, your home to be a place where God comes first, you are, you are at, a, at, a, at a place of 50% chance that you will end in divorce. But if you do those things, one in 1,105. That is astronomical, guys. You have a thousand times chance more likely to be successful in your marriage if you put God first. Because the reason is this. You are not designed to do this by yourself. You cannot do relationships, not just marriage. You cannot have healthy relationships alone. You've got to have the Spirit of God in your life directing and guiding and working with grace and wisdom and mercy and allowing His Spirit to, to grease the gears, as it were, so that you can have a healthy relationship in your life. But again, we prepare more for the wedding day than we prepare for the marriage. For a little girl, it usually starts at about 8 or 9 years old. 10 years old, man, they're already watching Say Yes to the Dress, and they've already got their Pinterest boards, and they've already got their TikTok videos, and they already know what it wants to look like. They picked out their dress, not realizing in the next 10 or 15 years, that dress is going to be hideously out of style. But they know. They know the colors. They know the flowers. They know the stuff. They know everything that's going to happen in their life. Guys, listen to me, dads. The average cost of a wedding in 2022 was $25,631. That's what I'm saying. I got, I got two girls left to marry off. That's, that's, if I do the math right, that's just over 50, almost $52,000. I'm going to be taking up a special offering for my weddings here in just a minute. No, listen, like seriously, we spend so much time preparing. We spend so much money on a single day wanting to have a perfect event. Here's what I found. There's no such thing as a perfect wedding. What would happen if we spent that kind of money preparing for our marriage, not just preparing for a day? We spend all this, we want the perfect, everything's got to be perfect. Anybody seen Bridezilla before? Like, you know what it's like? Anybody married? Just keep your hands down, keep your hands down. Um, I've never seen a perfect wedding. In fact, the most memorable weddings in my life are the ones that didn't quite go perfect. We were in Orlando when I was in, in high school for a wedding, and I was one of the groomsmen of a, of a large wedding party, and we were at a church in Orlando, 
And the steps were kind of like this on the stage, but there was about three more steps. It was a little bit higher of a stage. And they had the wedding party on both sides standing down the steps, kind of on an angle, right? You know what I'm talking about? And about halfway through the ceremony, the groomsman in the dead center, uh, well, he passed out. And he hit every step on the way down with his chin. Boom, boom, boom. And while I hope he was okay, they carried him out. I don't know what happened after that. I will never forget that wedding. I don't even know whose wedding it was. That's not really important. What's important was that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen at a wedding. Uh, we had a friend of ours get married in Maine, and uh, the candelabra got knocked over, and the curtains caught on fire. That's a wedding you won't forget. Um, we've got a mutual friend of, of, of your pastors and I, and... Um, uh, went to Bible college with Rodney and, and, and I and Davina and, and Deidre. His name is Daryl Williams. And we were at a wedding in Florida uh, when we were in Bible college. A friend of ours uh, was getting married. And so we're on the beach the night before kind of playing frisbee or football. I don't know. This is a long time ago. It gets a little fuzzy. Some projectile was going through the air. And so we're, we're playing on the beach and whatever. And all of a sudden, Daryl hits the ground and had broken his leg. And we're like, the wedding is tomorrow, dude. How are you going to get down the aisle? So here he comes hopping on crutches. And the wedding was fine, but the only thing I remember about it was Daryl breaking his leg the night before. Because there's no such thing as a perfect wedding. The flowers come, they're the wrong color, and so all the bridesmaids are out pulling flowers and trying to put them back in. Anybody been to that wedding? Maybe you showed up and the, uh, your, your uncle came drunk. And everybody's trying to escort him out. Like, you're like, this ain't that kind of wedding, bro. Like, what's going on? But we spend so much time on a single day. Anybody ever been to a wedding where the bride doesn't walk out? Like, just the dad comes running down the aisle? She gone. Talk about awkward. It's funny. We counsel couples about getting married and we try to do our best to talk about the long term and we talk about things, but I think we spend more time planning the ceremony than we do planning for life. Nothing is perfect. Honestly, that stresses me out. I, I think at Encounter, when I get back, I'm going to institute a new policy. I've been thinking about it over the past couple of days, that in order for somebody to get married at Encounter Church, for us to do the wedding, they've got to have at least one huge blow-up fight in front of their pastor <laughs> just to prove that they know how to handle a fight. Because everybody is going to have a fight. Every person in this room that's in any relationship whatsoever, at some point in your life, you're going to have one of those moments where you are going to fight. The question then goes back to, are you going to fight in your family, in your relationship, or are you going to fight for your family and for your relationship? So how do we have a good fight in our home? Anybody want to know how to have a good fight in your home? Some of y'all have already had a good fight in your home. I want to let's change it to a really good fight in your home. I think the first thing is this. You've got to recognize the real enemy in your family. Your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy. They may be on the other side sometimes, but they are not your enemy. Your mother-in-law is not your enemy. 
Your father-in-law is not your enemy. Your parents are not your enemy. Your pastor is not your enemy. The person sitting next to you at church is not your enemy. There is an enemy, and it is absolutely true that that enemy does not want your marriage to succeed, but it is not that person. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter says, Be self-controlled and alert. Why? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, powers in the dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But I love how he starts it. It is not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the devil. The enemy has been well defined in Scripture. The enemy is not the person that you can see. The problem is, is in our home, we cannot see the enemy. What we can see is the people. And so because we are driven by our senses, what we see, smell, taste, touch, hear, and feel, what we, what we do is we, we, we zone in on the people that we can see and we say, you're to blame. And the people that we could not stand to even hang up the phone because we just wanted to hear them breathe, we look at it and go, why are you still breathing? We start to fight within the family, within our children, with our siblings, instead of for our relationships. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and life to the full. Now, the devil is like a thief. The Bible calls him a robber, a thief. He breaks into your home. What I found is a thief very seldom comes through the front door. Most time we remember to lock the front door. A thief finds a crack somewhere. He finds a window that you just left a little bit open so you could get a breeze. He finds the back door that you forgot to lock. He finds an area where there's just enough room to be able to sneak in. And once he gets in, he has access to the entire house. Some of us have got to get to a place where we understand that we have got to keep the enemy out of our house. It's a lot easier to keep him out than to deal with it once he gets in. A quarter of the ministry of Jesus that he talked about in the Gospels was talking about the enemy, how to deal with the enemy, and what the enemy wants to do. We don't talk a lot about that in the church anymore because I don't know about you, I don't like to talk about the devil. He's really not one of the topics that are high on my list. And because of that, though, I think we've, we've started to, to adapt or adopt Hollywood theology. We see a movie and we say, that must be what the devil's like. The devil does not have a red pitchfork. He's not walking around with a pointed tail and horns on his head. The Bible says he's an angel of light. And because he comes as an angel of light, some of y'all just open the front door. He doesn't look like what you thought he was going to look like. And he's attacking your family from every side. He's attacking our families right now. Do you understand that in this world, the world does not like your family? The world is not pro-family. The world is not out to make your family better. Politically, there's nobody trying to make your family better right now. Everybody's trying to, it's just ridiculous what's going on in our society toward family. Culturally, everything, socially, everything is attacking our family. And if we're not willing to fight for our family, and all we're doing is fighting within our family, we are adding and aiding the enemy at destroying our families. And so I'm calling somebody today to say, I'm going to stand up and fight for my family. I'm going to stand up and fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for my kids, whether anybody else does or not. I'm going to put in the time. 
How do we do that? We, we commit to uh, fulfilling our responsibilities. Responsibilities. An unhealthy home focuses on rights. My rights. A healthy home focuses on my responsibilities. An unhealthy home that focuses on rights says, if you do this, then I will do that. If you don't do this, I will not do that. But a healthy home that focuses on your responsibilities says, whether or not you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. But we walk into marriage placing unrealistic expectations on our spouses. So let me talk to the guys just for a second, all right? Guys, what is the number one thing you want out of a marriage? Sex. Sex. Everybody, that's what you want. I mean, we're sitting, all y'all got, every single, like the blood drained from every single guy in the room. You should see it from my perspective. Every guy was like, not going to answer you. But it's the truth. A guy does not go into a marriage, and, and the bride comes walking down that center aisle, and she looks so beautiful, and he goes, oh, she's so beautiful, I can't wait to just look in her eyes. I can't wait to just hold her hand. It's not what he's thinking. Just telling you. But women are different. Women go into a relationship looking for a knight in shining armor. They go into a relationship looking for that tall, dark, and handsome, or blonde hair, blue-eyed, and chiseled, whichever it happens to be. They're, they're looking for that relationship that is going to help complete them. And we watch movies, and they go, you complete me. <laughs> and you watch other movies, and you want to punch Tom Hanks in the mouth. Uh, whoever it is, you know, Tom Cruise, you just are like, ah, you're a little man. You can outrun me, but that's it. But we, we base our life off of Hollywood and movies and expectations. And we put these expectations on people. And we say, I, I want you to be this for me. And when they're not, when they don't fulfill that, because here's the thing. Ladies, let me help you. What you saw on the wedding day is not how it's always going to be. He's not wearing a tuxedo every single day of life. You're going to walk in the next day. He's going to be sitting at the table in his underwear eating Fruit Loops. And you're going to be like, what did I do with my life? <laughs> and it's at that moment where you've got to say, it's not about the expectations that are not realistic. But our culture is all about the night, and it's all about the sex. And nobody can live up to those expectations. There's going to be a moment where you've got to walk in the door and you've got to say, I'm willing to fight for this guy who has milk running down his face while he eats Fruit Loops. Because there's a reason I still married him and love him. And here comes the number three. That means we've got to fight with biblical effort. We've got to fight with biblical effort. You cannot fight this fight on your own. Now, for some of y'all, I know what you're going to think. I'm getting ready to give you some biblical effort. But some of you guys are thinking, all right, we're going to go home. We're going to throw oil on the windows and the doors. And we're going to walk around the building seven times, hope the walls don't fall, all that stuff. And maybe if that's your culture and background, that is amazing. Do that. But there's some of you guys are sitting there going, I ain't doing that. So let me give you some things that everybody in this room, no matter your background, no matter your upbringing, no matter how long you've been in church or not, no matter even how you feel about this whole Christian thing yet, because you may be here and you're saying, I don't even know if I believe yet. Good, you're in the right place. This is where you need to be. 
This is where we want you to be. We want you to hear this message of Jesus, and we want it to impact and change your life. So how do I fight with biblical effort if I'm, if I'm still trying to figure out the whole biblical effort? Here's the first one, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, the first thing Paul says is bring some encouragement. Be an encourager to your spouse. Stop pointing out everything they're doing wrong. Be an encourager to your spouse. Ladies, listen to me. Let me help you guys. I'm going to give you a freebie. If you encourage your husband, he will think that he can do anything. And he will half kill himself trying to make it happen. You walk in and you start talking up your man, watch as the chest comes out, the head goes up a little bit. And he'll say something stupid because that's what we do. He'll say something like, I know, right? But on the inside, he's soak in it. He's craving. The greatest need of a guy is respect and honor. That's the way we're wired. And when all we get is, yeah, 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 you never do nothing right. You know what we're going to do? Nothing right. Because why try? But when you come in, and, and Deidre said it yesterday, we were sitting on this stage, and it kind of offended me because I'm afraid she did it for me. But she said, she said sometimes you just got to make stuff up. And I was like, do you do that? She's like, nah, not you. <laughs> Which is code for all the time. Find something to compliment. Find something to encourage. Be the number one cheerleader for your husband. Men, you've got you to learn to speak up. Not grunt over the phone. You know what that's like. I have my phone on, I may do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Pay attention in the relationship. Be an encourager. Uplift. They did a, a, a study of um, men who had had affairs. Okay, So they took these guys, they put them in a room, they started asking them questions. Why did you have the affair? What led up to the affair? They did a, like a battery of questions. Not one of them said it was a sexual decision. Every single one of them said that she made me feel strong, powerful, successful, and she bragged on me. Ladies, listen to me. If you're not willing to do it, somebody else will. You got to fight for your family. You got to fight for your family. Encourage your kids. Parents, listen to me. Stop telling your kids they're nothing and nobody and never be good for nothing and you're just like you're no good daddy. Man, you tell them that they believe it. And when they believe that, that's who they will become. You are creating a self-fulfilling prophecy in their life. Tell your kids how amazing they are. Tell your kids how good they are. Tell your kids that Jesus loves them and you love them. Look at your kid every once in a while and say, man, I am proud of you. Like, you don't have to do another thing great in your life. I am proud of you. And some of you are sitting there going, yeah, well, if I tell them that, they won't do nothing. It's, wrong. it's reverse psychology. They will do just like your husband will do. They will rise to the challenge. Because people actually believe what you say about them. You have the power on your words to bring life or death. Be an encourager. You know how much being an encouragement costs you? Not 25000 whatever it was. It costs you nothing. All you got to do is put in a reminder in your phone. Send my husband a text and tell him he's great. All right. He don't have to see all that. All he hears is, you're great. I'm great. My wife said I'm great. 
And that's exactly what he's going to do, too. He'll go show everybody, look, my wife just sent me. Be an encourager. Here's the second thing. Be a place of comfort. Philippians 2, let's continue. If any comfort from his love. This is something you've got to fight for, guys. People tell me, I'm just not comfortable in my own home. I had a guy tell me one time, he said, when I leave work, I drive around for at least an hour or two before I go home because I just don't want to be there. That's a problem. The most comfortable place in my life is in my home. My wife is, has, and, and, and us together, we have, we have fought at times to create a safe, comfortable place. And I was, she asked me between services when I said this first service, she said, what are some things that we do? Because you made that statement. She said, what are some things we do that, are, that make it comfortable? And I've been thinking about it. I was thinking about it through worship, and I was thinking about it during the, the break between services. And I was like, what do we do? You know, one of the things, one of the things we do that is very practical we don't sit there with a the TV on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I ain't got Fox News playing all day long telling me how bad the world is. I'm not sitting there listening to CNN telling me how bad the world is. I don't have the TV. Some of you guys, when you wake up in the morning, your TV's on, you don't go, like it's on a timer after you go to sleep. And you can't figure out why your home is not comfortable. Man, put on some, put on some worship music. Put on something that's going to calm you down a little bit. Create something that's healthy and comfortable. Another thing that makes our home comfortable is we're safe. My home is a safe environment. We don't have to be something we're not. We don't have to be on. We don't have to be Pastor James. We don't have to be Pastor Deidre. We can just be us. We can walk in the door, sit down, drink a cup of coffee, and go, you know what? Sometimes I don't like you. <laughs> she says that a lot more than I do, just for the record. In fact, her favorite phrase is, I love you a lot, but I don't like you today. Okay. Sip my coffee. <laughs> but there's something comfortable about honesty and transparency and safety. And knowing that she's saying that because we're trying to be better. She's not saying that while she's packing a bag. You know what makes you all uncomfortable is every time somebody says something, somebody's packing a bag. Stop with the threats. Make a commitment. Your home's going to be comfortable. You know another thing we do not allow in our home? Drama. I don't do drama. I don't do drama anywhere. People start getting drama at church, and I'm like, I'm out. Like, y'all can have it. I don't have time. I don't have the bandwidth in my life to deal with somebody's drama. You got a serious problem? Let's go. I will fight for you. I will wrestle the enemy for you. You walk in with your drama, and I'm like, take that somewhere. I ain't got time for it. And you say, oh, yeah, he's talking to the women now. Really? Because I know some guys. It looks different. But it's just as dramatic. We had a, um, we had a fire pit at my house uh, last year for my birthday. And we had a bunch of people over from the church. And we had a, a blast. And the fire pit's going. It started to, started to go down a little bit. The fire started to kind of just diminish some. And uh, one of our guys, Teddy, uh, goes in, in, in my shed. And he pulls out a, a leaf blower. And he comes walking up to the fire with a leaf blower. And I'm thinking, this is going to go really good or not really good. And he puts that leaf blower at the bottom of the fire, and all of a sudden the flames just start shooting up here. I'm talking flames like this high. And Brandon, our drummer, is in there. He had never seen anybody do that before. He jumps up out of his lawn chair, and he's like, whoa, that is the coolest thing. And it is with a fire. Some of y'all are that way with drama. Stuff starts to settle down, and you're like, mm, where's that leaf blower? We're going to stir this right back up again. Stop it. Stop bringing it into your home. Stop bringing it into your kids. 
Stop bringing it into all the stuff. Allow there to be a place of rest. Of rest. Of comfort. My house is so comfortable. I have trouble sleeping in hotels or even like my parents' house or any place. Like we go different places and I'm like, yeah, this is good. We're having a blast and it's great and it's wonderful. But man, anybody ever said, man, I wish I, wish I was in my own bed. Yeah. Why? It's just comfortable. You didn't think comfort was spiritual, but it is. Paul said this. He said, then by being like-minded. You know what he's talking about there? He's talking about friendship. My best friend lives in my house with me. Now, I got, some, I got some really, really, really good friends that I call my best friends. Rodney's been my best friend for, sorry, Davina, 30 years. Um, Rodney, Rodney and I, there are some relationships that you just connect with. And, 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 and even though we're separated by, by distance and a time zone and whatever, we're still friends. We talk a lot. We, we communicate. We'll send text message back and forth. We'll pick up the phone talk to each other. Not near as much as we should, but we still have connected and made that relationship. But my bestest friend lives in the house with me. And some of y'all got friends that are better friends outside the house than you got inside the house. You need to change some priorities. Because if you're telling your girlfriends more than you're telling your husband, there's a problem. You need to have a relationship that is built on friendship first. Dieter and I were friends for years before we had our first date. We were friends. We, we, were, we were very good friends until she decided that she could not resist all this. I mean, you're thinking that. I was just putting it out there for you. But there, there, was, there, was, there was a foundation first. Our relationship didn't build on emotion. It's built on friendship. Why do I do this? How do I fight for my family? How do I get all these things? How do I take this stuff and make it real in my life? I'm, I'm going to give you one little phrase. Live in this moment with your family. Right now, where you are. Look, you got little kids, and they are keeping you up all night long. Maybe you got infants, and you're trying to figure out how in the world you're ever going to sleep again. It does get easier. Let me tell you this, though. Parents that have older children will tell you the easier is just that they sleep a little more, and they can fix their own snack. <laughs> Nothing else is easier. It's just those two things become easier. They don't get up quite as early, and they can go make their own cereal. Okay? The drama's still there. Kids are still kids. All that stuff. But, but you may be in that infant stage and you're thinking, I don't know how in the world I'm going to survive this. You will. You will. It does get easier. By easier, I mean different. But live in the moment you've got because you do not understand how quick that moment is. I was somewhere the other day, uh, Deidre and I were walking and I saw somebody walking with their, their daughter, and their daughter was probably kindergarten age, something in that neighborhood. And it just hit me, just a memory of when Emily was that little. My oldest, Emily, just got married. It'll be a year in um, May. Um, she does our youth ministry. She's knocking it out of the park, unbelievably grateful for her and what God's done in her life. Her husband does most of our music and production and a lot of the creative elements, technology, all that stuff. They both love Jesus. They're both in church. And, they, man, I, that's a win, okay? But at that moment, I missed a moment. And there were some moments then that I completely missed because of work and busy 
Live in the moment, guys. The, 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 the balance. Jesus said this, take no thought of tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of itself. Paul says, look, while you're doing that, or Jesus said, while you're doing that, also, you don't build a house without preparing for it. So there's a balance. But sometimes we just get off balance, and all we're worried about is what's next. Man, I can't wait till this kid starts to walk. And then they start to walk. I can't wait till this kid's in a wheelchair, so he can't walk no more. Like, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, there's always some next, something. This kid's eating me out of house and home. I can't believe it. He's a teenager. I can't wait till he goes to college. He goes to college. I miss my kid. I wish he was home. There's always the missing, wanting. Let's learn in whatever state we find ourselves to be content. Matt Chandler, uh, pastors in Texas, a while ago, a few years back, he had uh, brain cancer. And he said this statement. He said, I may never get to do that. He didn't give us a description of what the that was. But whatever the that was was probably important. He said, I I may never get to do that. So I'm going to do this, what's in front of me, until the sun goes down on my life. Man, some of you guys listen to me. You're married to a good man. You're married to a good woman. They may not look like it or feel like it right this second. And you may be looking at the that. Turn your eyes back onto this. Because whether you like it or not, this is what God's put in your life for today. In love on it. Enjoy it. Take a deep breath. I love it. Pastor Buddy closed first service. I'm hoping I'm not telling you. He's going to have to come up with another close now. But he closed first service and he said, look, he said, whatever you've done prior to today, let today be the day that you start fighting. That is so true. Let, let this be, let your life be marked today with a moment of grace. So maybe you're the honest couple that fought on the way in and fought during worship. I, hopefully worship helped you guys out a little bit. But um, make a commitment that right now, we're, we're just not going to go back to that again. We're going we're gonna to work through, we're going to have difficult conversations. You're going to have difficult seasons. But right now, I just want to fight for my family. I want to fight for my family. I want to believe that God's going to do some amazing things in my life and in my marriage. Look, life is complicated, right? Marriage is difficult. You cannot do it alone. You need God in your life, and you need to fight for it and not within it. I'm going to ask these guys to come on back up here and play keys, make you all feel like I'm closing, all that good stuff, whatever, make you feel good. But can we just stand our feet across this building for a moment? And I would love if you would just across this building lift your hands to heaven. Maybe you're here and you've come from a different environment. Maybe your background, you don't really understand what it means to lift up hands. It's a sign of surrender. It's just saying, God, I'm not holding anything back. The Bible says to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. It's just saying, God, I'm, I'm not holding anything. I'm giving it all to you right now. Can we just do that simple gesture together and say, Jesus, I give you everything. And I want you in that symbolic pose right there. I want you to say, God, I give you my family. I give you my husband and my wife and my kids. Maybe your husband's not here with you right now. Maybe your wife's far from you right now. God, I know that relationship is strained. I give it to you right now. I ask you, God, to bring healing to my family. I ask you to bring healing to my children. Maybe your children aren't here. Maybe they're far away, and you're hearing this stuff and going, man, I wish I had done some of these with my kids. Maybe it would be different. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. But here's what I do know, is that if you are faithful, God said, I'm going to restore back into your life what the enemy has taken. It may be that they're 30 and they've not come back yet. You don't know how the story's going to end yet. 
Be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful in your relationship with God. Start today believing that God wants the best for your family and not the worst. Start expecting God to bring blessing and miracles into your life. Pastor James, you don't understand. My family's a wreck. Really? So God's not strong enough to heal your family? He can speak and the worlds are created, but he's not big enough to bring healing to your spouse? Because I just am dumb enough to believe that he can do it. That with one word from God, that when we speak this name, Jesus, that Jesus shows up in our family. That Jesus starts to melt the heart of stone in your husband. That your kids that said, I'm never going to believe that thing. Y'all crazy. You're in a cult. I don't believe it. I'm never going to do it. I'm going to follow after what the world's going to say do. I believe that God's going to start to melt their heart. Oh, come on. The Spirit of God is in this room right now. Some of you are in this place right now, and you are needing God to move. There's people in this room right now that walked in the door saying, tomorrow I'm fine for divorce. You ain't told nobody yet. I'm telling you prophetically, this is what's happening right now. There's somebody in this room that said, tomorrow it's done. I'm going to let them know tomorrow. I'm going to church with them today because that's what I'm supposed to do. But tomorrow, And I'm telling you, it ain't over yet. God's not done with you yet. Your marriage is not ended yet. God's not finished yet. He's going to restore love back in your marriage. He's going to put affection back in your marriage. There's some of you guys that have given up on your kids and you've said, I just don't know how it's going to happen. I don't either. But I know the master of the universe. I know the one that orchestrates everything. And he's going to put a divine connection in your kid's life. And they're going to be standing there not even knowing what's going on. And all of a sudden, God's going to put a seed in their life that's going to begin to grow. And you're going to see them on a Sunday morning walk back through the doors and come and sit beside you. And they sit beside you in 25 years. But they're going to walk in the door and say, Jesus, I want to speak your name over my life. I want to speak your name over my family. I want to speak your name over my situation. I hope this is okay. If you're in this room right now and you need God to move in your family, in your kids, in your marriage, I want you to run to this altar. I want you to move out from where you are and stand with your hands raised to heaven and say, God, I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my kids. I give you my future spouse. I give you my boyfriend and my girlfriend. I give you my children. God, I speak your name in Jesus' name.
want to speak. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Yes. Over every heart and every mind. There is peace within your presence. Yes. people for a minute and I want to speak to all the people who've been divorced or maybe you're on a second marriage or a third marriage or maybe you're in a bad situation right now I remember when I was a single young man I remember going I, I was in a whole bunch of my buddies all my friends were getting married and I was the guy that was the groomsman in everybody else's wedding and I didn't even have a girlfriend and I just kept thinking great I get to be I get to rent another tuxedo for another friend who's having all his dreams fulfilled and I still don't even have a girlfriend. I was in my 20s. You know, and I thought, man, my life's coming to an end. I'm and I'm just in my 20s. I'm like, when is this ever going to happen for me? But it did. But I remember during that season of my life and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I know somebody needs to hear this. You know what I did? I leaned into my church family. And, and the message today is about fighting for your family. And some of us are real quick to just say, well, I'm exempt from this. He's talking to the married folks. He's talking to the... No, no, no. You need to fight for your family. And if you're single, it might be your mom, your dad. It might be your siblings. It might be... It might be the young adults or the teenagers or the other people in your small group. I don't know what, but you got to fight for your family. Because here's what I know. Seasons of life change. I'm in a different season of life now. I remember one time I, I had a conversation with Robin a couple years ago. And there I was doing some stuff with Mason. I believe it was Mason Rave. And I just thought, man, I'm just loving this season of my life. And I was getting to spend time with him and do stuff. And I told her, I said, you know, I don't remember 
getting to do this with Lauren and Lindsay. And I actually asked her this question. I said, was I a bad father? I, because I didn't, and she said, no, you weren't a bad father. She said, but when you were in your 20s, you were trying to build the church, you were working your job, you were in a different, and she said, it was just different then. And now I'm a grandpa, and I, I, it's a different season. So here's what I, here, I just need to tell somebody. You need to lean into whatever season you're in right now. Amen. Today, and don't, Pastor James talked about this in the marriage seminar, don't die from destination disease. Well, when I get there, when I meet him, when I tie the knot with her, when I get rid of him, I get when, when this happens or when I get this job, come on, some of us, man, you can't, you can't, you just need to stop and enjoy the journey right now and just say, God, the people that you've put in my life, in my small group, in my ministry team, in my family, God, just help me. I want to, I want to help build up the people. And you know what I've learned? When you build up people around you, people build you up. And God always sends the right people into your life. Amen. So I'm telling you, if you can hear my voice, you are part of the family. You're part of the family. You're part of the family. Father, I just want to say thank you. In a day when society is trying to destroy the very definition of family, I'm going to fight for my family. My wife, my children my grandchildren, my friends, my church, my brothers and sisters. God, the people that you've put in my life, Lord, I thank you for them. Some of them come for a season and they go, but Lord, thank you. Help me, Lord, to lean into this time in my life. Help me, Lord, to fight the good fight of faith. Help me, Lord, to be the man that you've called me to be. I pray for every man and woman in this room. God, help us, Lord, to grow where we're planted. Help us, God, to become what you've called us to be. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And can we close this service with a great praise to the Lord? Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, I think we can do better than that. Come on. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.